He knows his stuff and sure enough it's shooting the bull with Tom Snow. Hey folks and welcome to a new episode of Shooting the Bull with Tom Snow. I'm your host Tom Snow and this is going to be our first episode in a long time. And we're going to bring it back to America's Forgotten Wars. So today's Forgotten War is going to be the French and Indian War. Now, some of you guys probably have heard of the French and Indian War. You've heard the name, but you probably don't know much about it. So that is what today's episode is going to be about. So let's get started, all right? So a few quick facts. The French and Indian War took place between 1754 and 1763. It was part of a larger conflict called the Seven Years War, which was actually oh, took over nine years. The reason it's called the Seven Years War is because people in Europe didn't count the first two years of the war because it only took place in America. So the Seven Years War took place all over the war world, including Europe, India, Africa, the Caribbean, and North America. The French and Indian War, the part that we will be talking about, is basically the term historians used for the North American theater of the Seven Years' War. It took place primarily in western Pennsylvania, upstate New York, and Canada. The French and Indian War was fought primarily between Great Britain and France, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Now, both nations were supported by the respective colonies. Great Britain had the 13 colonies that would eventually become the early United States, while France had, the, had most of Eastern Canada, which it called Quebec. So there is a, province, a Canadian province called Quebec, but in the 1700s, Quebec was basically most of Eastern Canada. Both nations also relied heavily on their Native American allies. Now, it is important to look at each indigenous nation as a separate country, as no two were alike. So most Native American nations had their own language, fashion, and religion that was different from their neighbors, just like people living in any other continent. Let me break it down to you this way. Grouping all Native Americans together as one people is basically the same as saying people living in England, Germany, and Greece are basically the same. It's just not true. They also had their own diplomacy as some indigenous people like different European countries better than others. Let me give you an example. The Iroquois people of New York were allies with the British because they were tr close trading partners. The Iroquois would give the English furs, and in return, they would be given guns, blankets, and metal tools. The French, on the other hand, were closer to Indians that, sorry, uh, Native American nations that were more open to working with Jesuit missionaries and converting to Catholicism. In the beginning, both Britain and France, uh, both Britain, both British and French colonists were very reliant on Native Americans not only to survive but also to maintain the balance of power in North America. Now let's look at the beginning of the war. So the war began in 1754 when the French colonial governor of Quebec, which again was most of Eastern Canada, sent a party of soldiers to build a fort in what is now Pittsburgh. The fort was originally called Fort de Kens. 
This angered the governor of Virginia, who sent a detachment of soldiers in order to order the French to leave. The British soldiers were under command of a young 22-year-old militia officer named George Washington. Yes, that George Washington. The French refused to leave, however, so Washington and his soldiers built their own fort nearby, which they called Fort Necessity. Realizing that he was badly outnumbered, Washington decided to ally himself with the local Seneca people, who were also not happy that the French were trespassing on their land. When Washington, his men, and their Native American allies were on a scouting mission one day, they discovered a small band of French soldiers gathering food in the woods. Washington ordered his men to attack, killing 13 Frenchmen and wounding another 21. Unfortunately, many of his Seneca allies kept killing French, kept killing French soldiers after they had surrendered, and among the French dead were, was the French commander, whose older brother was the overall commanding officer at Fort Duquesne's. The French general retaliated his brother's death by attacking Washington at Fort Necessity. After a very short siege, Washington was forced to surrender under the conditions that he and his men would be allowed to return home to Virginia. Before he left, however, Washington made a very big boo-boo. He signed a paper in which he basically confessed to starting the war, which made the British look very bad. The paper was in French, which Washington did not speak or read, but he signed it anyway because he just kind of assumed it was some sort of parole agreement or something like that. The moral of the story is never sign anything you do not, that you do not know what it says, or else you might end up like George Washington. When Washington returned to Williamsburg, the colonial capital of Virginia and the modern-day tourist attraction, the governor was beside himself in rage. Washington not only managed to start a war and confessed in doing so, but he lost the first battle in a pretty spectacular way. He therefore stripped Washington of his command and removed him from the Virginia militia. Washington desperately wanted to be an officer in the British Army, so he was understandably crushed by this decision. In response to the growing conflict in America, King George II dispatched 1,500 British soldiers under the command of General Edward Braddock. Their objective was to capture Fort Duquesne and drive the French out of the Ohio River Valley. Braddock was a very experienced British officer who spent his entire career fighting in Europe. However, he knew very little of the American wilderness or of guerrilla warfare, which was the preferred fighting tactics of both the colonists and, their, and the indigenous people. He therefore decided to hire a colonial. Uh, uh, he decided to hire a colonial guide who was familiar with the area. This guide happened to be none other than George Washington, who could not have been happier to be given a second chance. In July of 1755, General Braddock and his men marched to Fort Duquesne. They were only a few miles from the fort when they were suddenly ambushed by about 900 French and Indian soldiers. In a few hours, nearly 1,000 British soldiers were killed or wounded, including General Braddock. The remaining 500 British soldiers were saved thanks to the efforts of George Washington, who managed to take control of the situation and organize an effective retreat. 
The British survivors eventually returned to Virginia, where General Braddock died of his wounds. The town of Braddock, Pennsylvania, which is right outside Pittsburgh, is the approximate location of the battle and is named after the British general. Things continued to go badly for the British in, up in Canada. In May of 1756, England formally declared war on France, which triggered off a set of military alliances. France was joined by its allies Spain, Austria, Russia, and Sweden, while England was joined by Prussia, Portugal, and many of the smaller German states. There was no unified Germany until the late 1800s, so instead there have been a lot of smaller German states. After the death of General Braddock, the British were kind of leaderless in America, which allowed the French to take the momentum. The French were under the command of a very gifted general, the Marquis de Montcalm, who was also experienced in American warfare. General Montcalm successfully captured English forts on the Great Lakes, the most important being Fort William Henry. After taking the fort, however, many of his Native American allies attacked the captured British soldiers. Many Native Americans were not accustomed to the idea of taking prisoners, as in their culture, it was expected that warriors would fight to the death. Montcalm was very embarrassed over this incident, however, and dismissed most of his Native American allies which would come back to haunt him later in the war. <clears throat> Excuse me. The British general, Lord Abercrombie, decided to retaliate by attacking Montcalm's main base in upstate New York, which was called Fort Ticonderoga. The attack was a disaster, however, as Montcalm's small army of 3,500 men managed to defeat Abercrombie's larger army of 18,000. The, the British lost over 2,000 men during the battle, including their talented second-in-command, General George Howe. Fun fact for any history buffs out there, General Howe had two younger brothers who would eventually command the British Army and Navy during the first half of the American Revolution. Things were looking pretty bad for the British until a new Prime Minister took over the British government and began to set things straight. His name was Lord William Pitt, Earl of Chatham. Pittsburgh is named after William Pitt, while Chatham University is named after his regal title. Pitt came up with a good plan which he believed would play into England's strengths and minimize its weaknesses. England's strength is that it had a really big navy, perhaps the largest navy in the world, and its 13 colonies had a lot more people than French uh, Quebec. Its weaknesses is, were that its army was much smaller than France's, and it also had less allies. So, Pitt had a three-point plan. Point number one was to invest more resources in the Prussian army, which would tie down the French in Europe. Point number two, it would use the powerful British navy to blockade France and prevent them from sending reinforcements to North America. The final point, point number three, was to send the bulk of the British Army to North America, where it would be supported by American militia under guys like George Washington. The first two points worked like a charm, as Frederick the Great of Prussia defeated the French in Europe, while the British Navy defeated the French Navy and forced many of its ships to hide in French ports for the rest of the war. Now, here's how Pitt's plan kind of unraveled in America. 
Pitt did also decide to send a few generals over to America who were actually competent and, believe it or not, actually knew what they were doing. It's a good idea. Among these were General Amherst, General Wolfe, and General Forbes. General Forbes marched his army from Philadelphia all the way to Fort Duquesne, Duquesne, excuse me, Fort Duquesne, which he finally captured in 1758 and renamed Fort Pitt. Fort Pitt eventually became the town of Pittsburgh, and Forbes Field is named after General Forbes. General Amherst, meanwhile, marched his army up Lake Champlain in upstate New York. In 1759, he captured the important French base at Fort Ticonderoga and eventually took the city of Montreal in 1760. Perhaps the, Brit the biggest British victory of the war was the capture of the city of Quebec in 1759. British General James Wolfe finally managed to defeat the famous French General Montcalm at the Battle of Plains of Abram right outside the city. Both generals were killed during the battle, along with nearly 200 of their men. The capture of Quebec and Montreal basically brought an end to the French and Indian War, although the Seven Years' War would last another three years in other parts of the world. In 1763, France and Spain finally signed a peace treaty ending the war. In the peace treaty, the French agreed to, um, to give England all their colonies in North America, including Canada. In order to get as much out of the peace treaty, the British decided to negotiate without their allies, mainly the Prussians, who ended up getting nothing out of the war as a result. Spoiler alert, the Prussians were not happy about this. While England was victorious in the French and Indian War, it opened up a, several cans of worms that would go on and bite them in the butt. Uh, the biggest problem it was that England kind of racked up its credit card debt over the war and needed to start raising taxes. The people living in England, Scotland, and Ireland had already been taxed enough, so Parliament decided to start taxing the American colonies, who, of the American colonists, who they believed benefited most from the French and Indian War. The American colonists did not like this very much, and they began to rebel and this eventually led to the American Revolution. So Britain also made a lot of enemies in this war and lost a lot of friends. When the American Revolution broke out in 1775, France and Spain could not have been more eager to help the get their they could not have been more eager to get their revenge on the British and decide to help the Americans. Uh, French and Spanish aid was instrumental in the American victory at Yorktown which ended the war. Prussia was also not happy that England screwed them out of the peace treaty, so when the British asked him for help in the American Revolution, King Frederick the Great decided to flip him the bird and give aid to the Americans. The, one of the things he would do is send a, one of his generals, G General von Steuben, to help train the American army at Valley Forge. The nearby, the nearby city of King of Prussia was named after King Frederick the Great as... Uh, gratitude to his contribution to the American cause. The French Indian War also had more consequences in Europe and with the Native Americans. So, I already mentioned the French Indian War kind of led to the American Revolution. The American Revolution led to the French Revolution because France spent all its money helping the Americans in the American Revolution. So, and of course, the French Revolution is considered kind of the turning point of European history. 
So in a way, Washington's decision to ambush a few French guys in Western Pennsylvania led to both the American Revolution and eventually the French Revolution. The Native Americans also had some pretty bad consequences from the French and Indian War. So because France was out of North America, Britain didn't really need the Native Americans as much. However, they were also very weary of basically pissing off France's Indian allies. So they basically set aside all of like the Ohio River Valley for the Native Americans. This really ticked off the colonists and would eventually, it was A, one of the causes for the American Revolution and a big source of tension for the, uh, between the American colonists and the Native Americans. As a result, most many of the Native Americans fought on the British side during the American Revolution, and when they lost, the Native Americans got really screwed and eventually would go to reservations. It was now Oklahoma and the um, south, mid southwestern part of the United States. So yeah, the French Indian War is a super important war in not just American history, but the history of the world because it really set the stage for what many historians call modern history, which is like the age revolution, the age of enlightenment onwards. So I hope you got a lot out of this episode and I look forward to hearing, joining you guys next week for another episode, which will be a, comparing the yellow fever pandemic to the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, take care. He knows his stuff and sure enough, it's shooting the bullwhip. Tom Snow.